Hey friends, if you're like me, you've wondered how in the world do I get my hands on some of the grant money that's out there? I mean, the government is giving money out left and right. Private companies are giving money out left and right. How do we tap in to some of these resources and apply them to our homesteads? What are we doing that can actually maybe bring in some more income that will help us build our dreams on our homestead and maybe touch our community in a bigger and better way? Have a listen to me and Wendy chatting this out. She is an expert in the field of grant writing and gave some really, really phenomenal tips to helping get your hands on some of that money and maybe moving forward your homesteading dream in a bigger way. Hey friends! Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to be here today with Wendy Ryan. Uh, we are going to be talking about some of the financial side of our homesteading ventures. And I think that's going to be really valuable information for you if you're someone who's just kind of looking to see how they can get their hands on maybe some more financial inputs for their farm and what they have going on, then this might be the right podcast for you to listen to today. Wendy is going to be joining us at the Skillshare and be sharing with folks a little bit about grants and getting grant- their hands on grants. There are a lot of grants flying around. And I know that from my own experience, it can be really difficult to actually get one of those grants, even though it seems like you might be the perfect fit for it. There's usually a pool of people and that kind of thing. So having the inside scoop, I think is going to make all the difference. And I'm hoping that today, Wendy will reveal all this, the super secret secrets so that we can all (laughs) do more with what we're working on. And anyway, Wendy, would you please start at the very beginning in terms of how you kind of came into this line of work and, and what it is, what's your mission exactly? Sure. Thank you, Lacey, so much for having me. Uh, I've been doing fundraising work for nonprofits, big and small, for 25 years. Wow. And I have done everything from, you know, massive government grants to Mm -hmm. very small grants to private fundraising and raising money from individuals and estates and all of those different kinds of things. And what I love about the work now is being able to combine my homesteading passion, my support of of community-based agriculture and growing farms and being able to have more opportunities for folks to be able to engage with agriculture and engage with homesteading and with farming Mm -hmm. and my nonprofit work as well. So it's been the last several years of really being able to marry those two things and I love doing it. So yes, there's a ton of grant money that is out there, but there are so many trips and tips and tricks to be yeah. able to get there. And, and a lot of it is very basic stuff all the way back to how do you want to present your work? Are you a nonprofit? Are you not, mm-hmm. you know, right. all of the different structural pieces that will lay the foundation for getting additional resources. Right. Okay. So let's go back to, so we have, I think maybe let's start at the very beginning because we've got a lot of listeners, I think who are kind of, you know, they have a small urban homestead and maybe are thinking that they want to upgrade into something, maybe more land or, you know, I don't even know exactly that everybody's kind of like looking for like a workaround to make it happen because a lot of times buying land is just out of the question. It's too expensive, hard to come by. Do you have any tips for those folks who are really just kind of you know, dreaming about the perfect scenario coming to pass. The first thing I would say is when you're dreaming, and I certainly started out as a suburban mm-hmm. homesteader doing things on a patio and a deck and all of, you know, in, in a high rise apartment outside of Washington, DC. Um, mm-hmm. 
when you're doing that, think not just about the land you want, but what would it do for a community? Mm. What's, what is your value add to a community? And that community could be, you know, a half acre plot in the city of Detroit, and you could have a, you know, teaching people how to garden and how to raise their own food. There are lots of different ways of thinking about it. So it's, but to start with, what would be your business plan? So how do you want to impact a community of people or teach folks about homesteading or gardening or raising rabbits or whatever it might be? And that's, once you have that piece of it in your mind, that's going to be the basis from which you start thinking about what does financing look like? What would be my pathway to eventually get to the, of buying land? Buying land, even with grant money is really hard. (laughs) <laughs> it is really hard. And it, you know, it is both, as you said, hard to come by finding affordable land, but also finding land that is close to wherever your constituency might be. Can people from a community get to you? What are you bringing to that community itself? What's the infrastructure need to be? So before you even get to the land part, think about what is your value add? How are you going to be able to make things better or more interesting to the people around you? Mm, I like that. I think a lot of times we think, oh, I'll just do everything, right? But you, that's not yeah, you really business plan at all, is it? And if you want it to be something where you can apply and get grant money, there has to be something that sets you apart in a specific way. I think just writing yes. saying, I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but I want a homestead and I should put up a greenhouse. So give me money for that. You know, like that hasn't worked for us this far. So <laughs> no, and you have, it really is less about what you want to do. It, honestly, when you're writing the grant and more about what are you bringing? What is your impact? What are you bringing to the greater world by being able to do this? On my property, I just bought this property almost a year ago after 10 years of hoping and dreaming and trying to find the right place. And there is an aquaponics greenhouse on my property that the previous owners had installed. They used private resources in order to do that. Mm -hmm. But I'm now at the point where I'm exploring some different kinds of grants to expand the ability to grow in there because technically aquaponics is considered green mm-hmm. agriculture. Mm-hmm. And so I can look at Department of Ag grants and state grants and extension grants and support for equipment as well as using this as a teaching facility mm-hmm. because this is considered climate friendly in a way. And that's you know a new way of looking at it. Yeah. Okay. That brings me to a whole nother kind of question, which has probably got a long answer, but the grants that we've applied to are ones that we found out about word of mouth. (laughs) Yes. You know, I, we haven't found a really great place, whether it be online or a resource that just shares with us things that we might qualify for. Do you have any tips on even finding things that would, would fit what you're doing? Start with your extension office. And then there are lots of listservs. There are, if you go under the US Department of Agriculture, there are very specific mailing listservs you can get on. And several of them talk about grants. It may talk about, it won't be labeled, right? Like money for you. That's not what it's going to say. Um, But it might say, economic resources or economic development. It might say community development. And to once you learn the certain words and phrases, economic development, community development, um, input, resource development, different kinds of phrases that are used, you can sign up for these different listservs and get a week. I get a weekly email from the US Department of Agriculture, for example, that lists all of the funding resources. And they may be things that are, you know, I can look at it every week and there'd be nothing in there that's applicable. 
to homesteading or to farming or to ag development. But then other times, there are some very specific ones that are. So that's one resource. I would also look at a lot of the universities, state universities, your state ag universities, and look at those because they often will have listservs again or newsletters that include funding opportunities. Mm-hmm. Cornell University Extension, they have a Cornell University small farm program. You can get a lot of free resources online. They do webinars. It's bizarre because it's Cornell, but they have a lot of really great resources. And they also publish grant listings that are both private mm-hmm. from foundations, but also the ones from different states. Mm-hmm. So that's another, you know, when you look at some of the, it, I found that through the Maryland extension program for some reason, but there are lots of places that will have ag-based university programs that often also provide funding or can point you in the direction of funding. Okay. And so I'm honestly like, I'm so new at this. I'm not even sure I, I know what to ask because I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, sure. so I'm almost like, just keep talking because <laughs> I don't even know what to say. But one, we, we recently applied for a grant. We did get denied. We worked so hard on it. We really thought we had a good chance of getting it. And it wasn't, I mean, I don't know what's the, the average expectancy in terms of grant money coming in. Is there somewhere like what, what can people expect to even ever really get out of grants in terms of money? Because it does end up taking a lot of time and energy yes. to try to get this money. So on some level, we have to decide, is it worth this time or should we get a day job? <laughs> like what are our, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it is hard. And, and honestly, the first couple are the hardest ones to get mm-hmm. because once you've been vetted basically and approved by another foundation or another funding agency, other ones will see the benefit of that. It's, it's like you've, you've passed some test. Yeah. Yeah. And once you're so the, really the first couple are the hardest ones. So I would ask you for first, Lacey, did you all apply as a nonprofit organization or did you apply as a homestead or a farm? Well, interestingly, we, we actually don't, we have, are thinking about setting up a nonprofit element on our farm, but currently it's not. And this actual grant that we were seeking to, to receive was, it was only for profits and only, it was in an effort to help people make more profit. So like, that was really the goal of anything that you asked for, how is it going to help you make more money for your farm? Yeah. So we had to be very clear about anything that we asked for. This is how this is going to you know, pay off in the long run for us financially. So for that specific grant was definitely not a non-for-profit request. But yeah, tell me more. So when you were, I'm just going to ask some questions. So when you were denied on that grant, mm-hmm. did you go back to them and ask them for feedback? No. You can always do that. Ah, okay. And if it's a state or a federal grant, for example, or even some of the community ag grants, you can ask for your rankings and your ratings. So if different people review your grant, you can ask for those so that you can see the specific feedback about why you didn't get it. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. And that will help you get better for the next time around. For sure. Yeah. And it's always good to get a chance to know the people in that office that have, if they've been denied a grant, you know, can I speak to the program officer? I'd love some feedback on why we didn't get it. And as long as you do that in with a sense of learning and not a confrontation, (laughs) they're really open to it. Yeah. They're usually really open to say, you know, there were 15,000 applicants and we only had X amount of money or you didn't show impact enough. I need more data. I need it, you know, 
So it's it's very helpful to get that that return feedback. And most people don't know they can ask for that, but you absolutely can. No, you get this denial letter and they're like, we're so sorry. And then you're, you're just like kind of, but why? You know, like you left feeling very empty. Even if you, yes. you know, don't expect to get it, you just feel like you don't have resolve or, or resolution there. So that's that's a really good point. And I wish that we had done that. May, may not be too late for us to go back and do that now on that one. But some other thoughts though, or we have um, applied for several, and now it's totally escaping me uh, right now, but for high tunnels and some water stuff, what is it? What's the agency that you can apply to for that? I can't remember off the top of my head. Natural resources usually is for water. Yeah, there's another, I don't know why. It's something USDA something. It'll probably come to me before we're done with the call, but but you can specifically apply to them for things like high tunnels. And we've gotten denied several times for those. And we know lots of people who've been denied and you have to pay to for part of it. So yes. that's maybe something we can talk about is it a lot of times, and even the grant we got denied that we were especially disappointed in, it was a, you, I think we were responsible for a tenth of it, or, or there was some portion that we would have to come up with that funding. And um, in, in those cases, and that is often with equipment in particular, or any kind of structural inputs, mm -hmm. they either want you to come up with 10% of it or 25%, or in some cases, even they want you to front the money and it's reimbursement only, uh, which really doesn't help folks um, yeah. in the long run. It's a very unfortunate way of doing it. But on those where you're needing to come up with 10% or 15%, whatever it is, that might also be an indicator that would deny you if you can't show a bank statement that says, I already have this money. Right. Ready to go. Yeah. Because they don't want to hand you the 85% of it or the 90% of it. Mm -hmm. If you may not come up with the rest compared to somebody else who might be waiting for that same and has it sitting, you know, they've got their portion of it ready and sitting aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So can you share with us some experiences of, of a good outcome, some things, some projects people got funded or what have you? Sure. So I've worked with a, a couple of different organizations that wanted to do animal support rehab work. So working with veterans in particular to be able to have veterans learn how to train horses Mm -hmm. in order to do both the animal post-traumatic stress disorder therapy mm -hmm. and skill development. And so we were able to get a grant from the Department of Veterans Affairs for that particular program. And for that farm, it required them actually to become a nonprofit in order to oh. qualify for that funding. Okay. So I also worked with them on what it takes to form a nonprofit organization, um, which can be kind of daunting when you look at the amount of paperwork. But you break it down into steps, it's it's not terrible, but you just need to know the steps to take and how to go about filing. So they were able to do that and file. And while they had their filing documentation, we included that with the grant. They hadn't been approved yet as a nonprofit, but we had we showed the process was underway. And they were able to get $75,000 a year for three years in order to provide teaching. They were able to hire folks to do the training. They had a social worker that they were working with in town who was able to have the veterans screened and see who might be appropriate. And they were working very carefully and closely with the Department of Veterans Affairs for that grant. And they were, you know, with that money, be able to have 10 veterans a year come through their program. That's so neat. Okay. All right. Very cool. Okay. So maybe more on like the small scale home, family homestead situation. Have you seen anything in that? Like, I don't know, I, I guess, for me, I'm thinking like 10 acres or less or 20 acres or less, maybe. Have you yeah. seen anything in those situations? 
Those are a lot harder to come by, to be honest, unless you, and you know, truly, unless you want to do something like form a nonprofit and do some kind of agro-tourism or a children's visiting right. farm where you can work with your local schools and have kids groups comes through. But it's, you know, it, you've got to think really carefully about who you want on your property and how you want that to go and what kind of obligation that you're really willing and interested in taking on you know, when you're dependent on other people, because even with grant money, you have to report back on how it was spent and you need to be able to track the finances of it oftentimes to show the investor what the money was spent on and to be able to show the deliverables in the end. So you have to think carefully about a 10 or 20 acre, what's possible. Uh-huh. Right. Well, and that is a good reminder to kind of go back to that, that first drawing board of what do you really want out of it? Because I think we kind of get caught up and well, I can get more money. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to get more money, but it is, it's a time and cost. And then also having to answer to, which a lot of us as homesteaders, I think really like our freedom and not yes. having to, you know, report back. So that can be a hairy thing to step into if you don't like those rules that you have to kind of contain yourself in. So that's absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think that is a big challenge for homesteaders because generally, as you said, we don't like having to answer to other people, (laughs) certainly not about how we're, you know, using our land and our time. And anytime you take somebody else's money, because really this is somebody else's money, Mm -hmm. even if it is a grant and therefore a gift, there is an obligation that is tied to that, either to deliver a certain kind of thing to do Uh something with that money Uh or to be able to report back. And if you haven't spent it all, their contract might say that you have to return it if you didn't spend it in the way in which they intended, or you just don't want to get yourself in that situation unless you're clear on what your, on what your why is. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Yeah. I love that. And I think that kind of thing, I mean, Maybe it's not what you know when you start, you know, you want a homestead, but as maybe give it a few years of your homesteading to really discover what it is, because we learned, <laughs> we moved out onto a homestead because we wanted goats. Turns out we didn't really want goats. We just had them for a while and we were moving on to the next, right? <laughs> so you have, I think there is some amount of like, you can't know unless you know, right? You have to try something, right. maybe get your hands dirty first. Okay. So at what point would you call in an, a professional to get some help on this kind of thing? I think it's a couple of different options. Number one, if you decided that you needed to be a nonprofit, call mm-hmm. in a professional, okay. get someone just as a consultant to walk you through the process. You don't have to hire a lawyer. You don't have to make it a really expensive endeavor, but there are some steps that just make the process easier. So that, that would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a one-time thing. Cause once you have it, you have it. Okay. Unless you violate some or you commit a felony or, you know, (laughs) money from your own nonprofit. And then secondly, I would say, if you're not a great writer, considering, consider hiring somebody Mm -hmm. um, that can convey passionate ideas in a way that is full of data and storytelling because data plus storytelling equals proof Mm -hmm. of concept and being able to move forward. So if you're not a stellar writer, find somebody who's a decent writer and work with that person. And then also the other time to consider bringing somebody in is helping you figure out what the why is, Mm. exactly what it is that you are trying to accomplish. What is the value add that that brings to the community in which you live or the larger community, whether it's an internet community or others, right? What are you doing that brings value that somebody else should be paying for? Yeah, I love that. Okay, those are all really great. And it's interesting what you said about the adding colorfulness and, and, and data at the same time, because I think my thought on grant writing before I tried was really just 
facts and, and figures is what they're looking for, like proof that your concept is going to pan out. But mm -hmm. what we were advised is no, they want to know who you are. They want to yes. know your story, their, your before and your after and your, you know, a lot of that wants, it, they want that to be included, which no, I mean, it's interesting. It's different. The, there are people who are reading these, mm -hmm. right? It's a human being that is reading your grant. <laughs> and they're may comparing it to 20 others that they're reading for the exact same pool of money. Right. So what in that is going to make yours stand out? And the facts and the figures, depending on which state you live in and the data that you're quoting will be very similar probably to somebody else's. The mm -hmm. thing that makes the difference is your storytelling. Mm -hmm. How are you presenting, as you said, who you are as a person, what your project is, what impact it's going to have, how it's going to change lives, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and pair that with data. But if they don't have a sense about who you are and what your, what your organization or your community is going to benefit from by having this money, it's less appealing. Mm -hmm. So you really want to do that very careful balance between storytelling and data. Don't be overly emotional in the writing, mm -hmm. but tell a story that is compelling. Yeah. Okay. Very good tips. This is all really, really helpful. All right, Wendy, I think we've left people with enough to chew on. They're probably all like, okay, I need to get to those websites and get on these <laughs> listservs now, which is great. I think that's wonderful. And I will say I've been on those listservs, or not the listservs, but I've been through the USDA and it can be, when you don't know that terminology, it can be very like, yes. I don't even know what I'm looking, you go blind, cross-eyed, because you're just, there's so many things that seem relevant, but maybe aren't or are relevant, but don't seem like they are. So anyway, it's great to have those tips. Wendy, I'm really excited that you're going to be here. How can somebody reach out to you before the Skillshare or if they can't come and join us live? So the best way at this particular moment is either through my email address, which I'm happy to give. It's W-R-H-E-I-N at yahoo.com. Okay. Um, and then also um, through the Skillshare, I'm really looking forward to doing that as well. And then there's Instagram True, I have an Instagram for my farm property, which is chutzpah hollow, C-H- U-T-Z-P-A-H-H-O-L-L-O-W. And that's the name of my homestead. So you can reach me in any of those. I places. love Hutzpah Hollow. So if you don't know what Hutzpah, you're going to have to tell everybody what Hutzpah means if they don't know. Just in so case. if you don't know what, what Hutzpah is, Hutzpah is a Yiddish word and it basically means guts. It means courage and guts and uh, bravery kind of all mixed in together. Mm. I like to think um. Like yes, oh, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Well, everybody stay connected with Wendy, regardless of if you come, but if you come, I want you to stop by her booth and get some really great tips and hopefully some inspiration. Cause I think sometimes it can feel very lonely out in this like homesteading world Definitely. and farming world. And, and it can be really nice to know that there's a lot of people out there that are working towards the same goals. And even though it feels a little competitive when it comes to grants, it's like, you know, somebody is going to get it some, and maybe next time it's going to be them next time it's going to be you don't know but I think we can all kind of just bond together and support each other a little bit more with this process so I'm really excited that you're coming to share I'm really uh, excited too we'll share some more tips and and some ideas and you know happy to talk people through specific scenarios even if that's helpful well and that's what I imagine people will have specific questions to their situation that they'll yes. want to ask you in person too so I can't wait but everybody thanks for listening Wendy thank you so much for being on this call and we will see you in person soon thanks so much Lacey well, I thought that was all fascinating. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And do not forget, Skillshare is coming up and Wendy will be here in person to answer your questions and give you some resources to help you find money for your farm, for your homestead, for your dreams. 
please come and join us. We still have a few limited spaces left. It's selling very quickly. We cannot wait to see you all in person on the farm. Go ahead, www.theschoolhouselife.com backslash homestead Skillshare. Join us.